season is here man i am ecstatic i cannot wait to get in today's episode this is the shock therapy podcast brought to you by the say it again network i'm tyler lawrence with me is my co-host zach alfers are you pumped i i don't know how you cannot be i mean it is finally here the start of the season i feel like we've been waiting for what seems like forever and I know me and you are excited. I know our fan base in general is really excited. I know this team is pumped up and ready to go. And I, it's not just us. The entire league is super excited for the return of NFL football. And I just kind of saw this article before we hopped on, Tyler, on ESPN about the Thursday's opener between um, Dallas Cowboys and Bucks. Tampa Bay. Have you seen those ticket prices? I have not seen those ticket prices, so, no. According to Vivid Seats, the average cost of the ticket right now – to that game is $582. The highest price of an admission for a Bucks game in the last 10 years. Pretty impressive. What's really, really impressive about that, it's the sixth most expensive ticket for any sporting event in Tampa Bay sports history. The only events that right now that are above the 2021 NFL season opener are two Super Bowls, the 2017 College Football National Championship, and the Game 5 of 2021 stanley cup finals like if that doesn't tell you how pumped people are for the return of nfl football like i don't know what to tell you it's the best time of the year for football fans everyone's undefeated and you can't help but be excited i mean when you look at it you got dallas who is that's america's team that's one of the biggest fan bases out there and then a team that just came off the super bowl yeah. with tom brady it makes a lot of sense well, and yeah, that's going to be fun. I mean, and then you got Dak coming back. A lot of people have him pegged as their front runner for comeback player of the year, and rightfully so. Like, he's a 
hell of a player. And I, you know, well, it's let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's going to Derwin James. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. This we'll get Derwin into it because James I got some Ford. I got some Derwin Derwin's um, some Derwin love headed our way for sure. I am ecstatic to start this season. Let's get into our business rhythm for for the the year. So the way that we're gonna do this here on out for the rest of the season. We were going to do a breakdown of the previous game, obviously, this week. We didn't have a game, but typically we're going to break down Sunday's game or Monday night's game, uh, the Chargers' previous game, and that'll take up the first half of the episode. The second half of the episode, we're going to look forward at our next opponent. So I think that makes like a pretty good uh, podcast rhythm, and that gives us fans a, a bit of a recap. And then, you know, we will lean forward and, and look at uh, who our next opponent's going to be from week to week to week over the next 17 weeks and into the playoffs because we know we're going. It's going right? to be a long season. Yeah. Get ready. So let's get into the Chargers versus the Washington football team. It's going to be at FedEx Field in Washington. It's going to be Sunday, September 12th at 1 p.m. We're five days away, 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific time. It will be streamed on CBS. Uh, Chargers don't have very much of an injury report, so the only person on there right now is Brian Bulaga, who's dealing with a minor hip flexor issue. Uh, He was a full go yesterday. I don't know if he he was a full go today. Um, The other player that we have is Ryan Smith, who we just put on IRR. He'll be out for the next three weeks, and Keeman Hall uh, will fill in for the time being. Uh, Mike Williams seems like he's good from his hip injury. Chase Daniel had a minor hand injury in the final preseason game. That was two weeks ago, so I don't see anything significant there, uh, especially for a backup quarterback who probably isn't going to play at all. So, Fingers crossed. It, it Yeah, no one's game planning for that, that's for sure. Yeah, as far as the Washington football team goes, cornerback Jimmy Moreland uh, is dealing with some minor injury. I don't know exactly what it is. They're kind of keeping it under wraps right now. Uh, this is Tuesday, so we don't have the full injury report out yet. Uh, that's obviously going to come later in the week. We're a little early. Uh, but the other player that they have, Curtis Samuel, he's questionable with a groin injury. Uh, Ron Rivera said that he's moved around like, and he's likely a go. Uh, nothing significant. The Chargers are healthy for the first time that I can remember in really quite some time to start the season. Pretty amazing. I, I, I don't we, – we have to be thankful for just that fact, that a successful, healthy offseason. We got better as a football team, and we're entering week one, 22 starters. I don't I, – I can't imagine a better offseason. I can't either. Let's get into the Washington football team's depth chart. Uh, number one, they still don't have a name. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be added to the depth chart. I know that I saw a, uh, an article earlier today where they are down to three names. I don't know what those three names are. Uh, we'll ultimately see, I can't imagine them changing their name in the middle of this season. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't settle on a name. They had a whole off season to come up with something. Me too. Uh, get something done. The the one that I, I like the Red Wolves, but the one that I've seen recently that is kind of gaining steam for me is uh, the Red Hogs. I think that's just a good name for a football team. It just <laughs> down dirty. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a good mascot. That reminds me of like a college football team. Oh, it's right? totally off of, you know, a playoff of what? 
the Razorbacks, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Hogs are in some nasty creatures, man. So let's get in the depth chart. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is their starter. Uh, Fitzmagic, he has moments of brilliance. He started the Dolphins' uh, first six games last year. He passed for over 300 yards in half of those games. Uh, he also turned the ball over seven times in those six games, three times in their opener against, I want to say it was the Bucks. Um, you don't really ever know what you're going to get. If you got Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic, I don't know who it is from <laughs> week, week to week. But he is interesting. He does have moments where he can just go off for 350 yards, throw four touchdowns. But then again, he's he'll, he's susceptible to turning the ball over. How do you feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick as he goes into year 29, 30, something <laughs> like that? Yeah, honestly, I think we do have a major advantage in the QB battle. And I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a good quarterback, but by no means is he great. And I think there's a reason he's played for all 32 teams, it seems like. And nobody wants to keep him on the roster for longer than two seasons. And if we're being completely honest, his time in Washington is not going to be long-lived either because we know he's a quarterback. He's a big quarterback for the future. Um, it is interesting to think about their quarterback situation because they don't really have a long-term guy for the future. No, no. I think Alex Smith was their hope and that didn't really work. Dwayne Haskins, you know, that was an experiment that also ultimately failed. And so I think you're, you're, you're holding Fitzpatrick just to keep you competitive while you have this amazing elite defense. And I don't know, I, he's 38 years old. I don't think there's a, a lot of magic left in the guy. I no, really don't. I think this might be his last year. I mean, I don't know how many more opportunities he's played for half the league. Like, yes, you know, it's just, he's the ultimate journeyman. They have Taylor Hennick, Hennicky and Kyle Allen. I know Kyle Allen started a handful of games was pretty impressive in his first, uh, first season as a part-time starter, but ultimately I don't see where the future is. They're going to have to trade up next year for a, a quarterback. And right now it doesn't look good in, in the college rankings right now. Honestly, them being successful last year kind of really messed up their trajectory for the quarterback. If they were in the bottom, you know, 15 or so picks and didn't make the playoffs, they could have got a shot at it, one of the uh, top quarterbacks this year. So you just kind of, like you said, it's going to force them. They're going to be good this year. They're going to be. Are. Yeah. And I mean, the NFC least is not a good division. They're not going to be getting a whole lot of competition. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it is interesting to monitor. Uh, at running back, they have Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson was a surprise standout last year uh, for them. Uh, he played his college ball at Memphis. He was primarily a wide receiver, and then he moved to running back as a pro. Uh, that's not too crazy of a transition, and he's got the size for it. Um, he, he, you know, in college, he ran a lot of, like, jet sweeps, and, you know, he's kind of that uh, Debo Samuel type of player who I guess he played really well in that kind of role and they kind of envisioned him as a, a running back and it ended up working out for them. I mean, he's 6'2", 220 pounds. So he's, he's got size. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry, which is pretty healthy. Yeah. And he caught 36 passes of the backfield. Like I said, he's a wide receiver who transitioned. Uh, I expect him to improve more in the passing game, taking more screens, maybe splitting out wide because he has that ability to do so. Um, how do you feel about Antonio Gibson? Yeah. I really like Antonio Gibson. I think he's a, a true dual threat guy who's extremely elusive. And he's a player I wanted to try to land on all my fantasy teams. Wasn't able to, but I, I think he's a guy who's due for a huge year. I just don't see this Washington offense as a whole having much success against our defense. And I think one matchup that I am 
key holding is the Chargers linebacking core against the Washington running backs. And I just think our linebacking core, that room, I think is really one of the stronger ones in the league. And I think just player by player matchup, I think we match up very well to the running backs that they have over there in Washington. Uh, I just don't think Gibson or even JD McKissick have the strength to run through a Kenneth Murray tackle. I, I think they're fast guys, but Murray's quick in his own right. He takes great angles to the ball carrier. So I don't know they will be able to outrun K-9. And if they want to get him involved in the passing game, I think Kaiser White's going to blow up any screen passes they hope to dial Trinkle up. Trinkle, too. Trinkle has the ability gonna, to match up there as well. And if they want to roam in the middle, he's going to pick off any off-target passes. So I just really like our skill sets of our linebackers against the skill sets of their running backs. I, I think it plays it bodes well for us. J.D. McKissick is going to be their primary pass-catching back out of that offense. And then Jarrett Peterson from Buffalo, he's – He's been kind of a hot name over the preseason. I've heard his name a couple times. I didn't really know too much about him. I wasn't expecting, um, you know, I didn't even really know who he was until the preseason, really. I didn't really do a whole lot of, you know, scouting running backs during the draft uh, just because I didn't think that we needed that position very – I just didn't think it was a position we needed to to address. So I didn't even take a look at a lot of the running backs. But he's been he's been making some headlines for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, over in the wide receiver room, they, they have a really good core of young wide receivers. Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, and then they also have uh, Adam Humphreys, who's one of the older uh, wide receivers in the NFL. He's going to play that kind of that mentor ro- role to this young group. Um, it's not as talented as some of the wide receivers Fitzpatrick has had throughout his career. I'm thinking directly back to the Buccaneers when you know they, they have – had great wide receivers there for a while. And Fitzpatrick really had the most success having that good core of wide receivers. And I think he's got something pretty similar here. Uh, Terry McLaurin, he's a future superstar. If he's not a superstar already, Uh, he had 1100 yards last season, four touchdowns, 87 receptions. He's kind of a a rack player. He's a, he's a good run after the catch type of guy. He's got four, four, three speed, which is, I mean, he can get behind the defense. He's also good in contested situations. I really, really like Terry McLaurin. I, I, I do think there's some matchup problems that could potentially happen there uh, if we're not able to, to you know, keep keep the deep ball from getting out there. Well, and that's exactly how I was looking at it. For me, I think our defensive game plan needs to be to focus on McLaurin because, like you said, I, I, I want to focus on McLaurin and force someone else to beat us because I think he's one of the better up-and-coming receivers. His speed alone, I think, is something that could cause this Chargers secondary a lot of trouble if we're not prepared for. Just because in a foot race, we really only have Michael Davis who can contend with him. That's really going to force us to be very disciplined in our coverages to make sure we don't get beat over the top. So I think if we can force Scary Terry kind of out of his game, I think that'll be huge because I think our defensive match, I think our defense matches up well against the rest of their skill positions. I like our matchup against the running backs. I think Derwin James is going to have a hell of a game against Logan Thomas. We can get into that some more, but I think to stop this offense, the Washington offense is going to have to put a lot of focus into slowing McLaurin down. You know, when I look at their their top three wide receivers in McLaurin, Samuel, and Diami Brown. They're all deep threats. They're going to stretch yeah. the field vertically. They're going to do it often. I, I do think that they're going to pick on our rookie, uh, uh, Sante Samuel, right? There, there's more than likely they're going to go after the rookie early and often. 
Um, but I don't know, man. Like it's it's going to be pr- protecting the deep ball, uh, and we're a team that's going to be playing lots of man. So they're they're going to take some shots. There's some shots are going to you know they're going to go out there. Uh, we got to be able to match up against it. Um, Diami Brown, he was their third round draft pick uh, this previous season with North Carolina. He had over a thousand yards receiving in two separate seasons with Sam Howell as their quarterback. Uh, like I said, just a bunch of deep threats. So it's it's well, really taking that away. And I, I think once we as we approach Sunday, I think watching Curtis Samuel's game game record, you know, uh, watching Curtis Samuel's health as we approach the game is going to be pretty important because I know he's practiced these last couple of days, but that was his first practice, I think in like over a month nursing a groin injury. I have to question his conditioning because anyone who's dealt with a groin injury, it's not something you can test. And so I, I don't know how well he can get, you know, into NFL game ready action, you know, shape for an NFL game in a week. So even if he is ready to go physically, I got to question his conditioning because that, that's a lot to put on any player. And, you know, he's nothing like super, super dynamic. He's a speed guy. I mean, he's had he's improved each year. So last year he came off 850 yards receiving, uh, but he's just he's not a target monster. And I mean, it's nice to have some familiarity in the wide receiver room because him and Curtis Samuel played together at Ohio State. But he's I think I look at him primarily as a deep threat and. You know, if you take it away, I don't necessarily think that he's gonna to beat you if you can't if he can't get behind you. When I where I think this Washington receiver core is really gonna struggle is on third downs because they don't have a guy that can just run around and seamlessly be open all the time. You know, he they, they don't have those crucial chain stick movers and it they're like you said, they're all McLaurin's gonna be that, right? Like he that's can be what's gonna that. be and, and I think Logan it, Thomas is the it, other guy. Right. But let, we can get into it. I think we're going, I think Derwin James is going to kind of erase Thomas from this game. I really do. And I definitely see that as a, a matchup. That's one to watch. Um, you know, Logan Thomas, he had 72 receptions, 670 yards last season, uh, six touchdowns as his first full season as a starter. He's so the way that I look at their game plan, if I'm, you know, a uh, defensive coordinator here, and I'm, I'm looking at what they're going to do. They're going to stretch the field vertically, and then mm-hmm. they're going to dump it off to Logan Thomas underneath. That's just what their game plan should be. If you know, if I'm their head coach, that's definitely it what makes I'm sense. doing. That's what I'm doing on Madden, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he is a matchup problem, though. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's, a, he's a big guy, and if you get him lined up on some linebackers and you're putting Derwin James in that cover too, and he's going to be taking off, then you're going to open that up but I think we have the linebackers, Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White, to match that up uh, if we get into those situations. I mean, I don't think Logan Thomas is a burner. I think he's going to play underneath, and he's going to he's he's going to be their third down target majority of the time, if I had to guess. And that's yeah. what I need to take away. We're going to take away the deep ball, and we're going to match up well uh, with the linebackers to try and take away some of those you know those crossers that he might be running, some of those curl flats he's going to be running. Uh, I think you're going to struggle a little bit more on the out routes, the corner routes, the things like that. And that's an, an area where I might be willing to give that up. Uh, and, you know, you got to give and take. And that's that's where I'm giving him up is, you know, outside and come come up and contain. Yeah, I, I still think, though, that is a good matchup 
for the Chargers. You know, Logan Thomas I, is a guy I have a lot of respect for. I think he's going to have a good season, but he's in for a rude awakening to start the year because Derwin James, the comeback season is here. No tight end is safe, and that includes Logan Thomas. And- no, and that is true. Yeah, there is definitely going to be times where he's matched up over the tight end, and he's going to take it away, and the perfect time to do that is on third down. Mm-hmm. You know that they're going to stretch you vertically. They're going to want to try to put, move the chain, so they're not going to be taking all those deep shots. They they will, but ultimately, what it's going to come down to is who's you know on that third and five, and you're just trying to pick up a first down. Darwin James is going to come over on that out route. And he's going to pick it off for six. Yeah, and well, yeah, that that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a big game from DJ. He's just been working so hard, right? If anybody on this Charger team deserves a big game week one, I think it's DJ. We haven't seen him play since 2018, and I think he just comes in with all the momentum and energy in the world, and he's going to have a take a big first step towards that comeback player of the year award that I really, really want to head, go his way at the end of the season. Over on the offensive line, I think this is somewhat of a weak area, primarily on the edges. So you have Charles Leno. And Eric Flowers, uh, Charles Leno came over from the Bears. Eric Flowers was a guard for the Dolphins. Uh, they're new starters on that offensive line, like I said. Uh, both players gave up five sacks last season. Uh, Leno gave up 42 pressures. Leno was not that good. Better in the run game, not as great in pass protection. Uh, to me, I, I look at both players as kind of just average. I know Eric Flowers was a high draft pick, but, I mean, he wasn't, you know, mauling over people and, you know, creating huge rushing lanes in, in on the offensive line. Uh, Leno is graded as the 30th overall tackle. That doesn't just scream average. I mean, 32 NFL teams, you know, 64 offensive tackles starting average. offensive no, tackles. No, that, that, is, that is way below average. That yeah. Is close to the worst. Well, not left tackle, just total tackles, right? So. Oh, God. Yeah, all right, there you go. Yeah, never and, mind. So <laughs> – you know, we'll, we'll see how Leno plays against Joey Bosa because he's going to be matched up against Bosa quite a bit. And then we also have Kyler Fackrell and Nuchen and Owosu. He's going to be tested pretty early. I think Brandon Sharif is probably one of the best guards in football. Uh, that's without goes without saying. He was just franchise tagged. Uh, they also have Chase Rolier. To be honest, I didn't know who he was, but after doing some research, he graded an 80.1 in run blocking, 81.1 in pass blocking grade as the, as a center. And then the other offensive tackle is going to be Samuel Cosme, who was the eighth tackle drafted. Uh, if I'm the Chargers, I'm attacking the edges primarily. I think that the interior of that group is a little bit better. It's definitely the edges where you're going to generate pressure, in my opinion. I think so. Definitely more. But I, I do think even in the interior, we have some miss some matchups that we can exploit. I don't really think they're that good. I really don't as a, just a overall unit. I, 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 and with the talent we have as a pass rush group, I don't see them stopping us down a whole lot. I'm, I'm actually really looking at Jerry Tillery and see how he has progressed. Uh, this is going to be his first real action since last season with a full off season. Jerry Tillery is going to be a matchup to watch on the interior and see how he's generating pressure and if he's improved against the run. And I expect them to attack in the middle of that offensive line. I see a lot of draws. I'm seeing a lot of dives. That's what I'm expecting from them in the run game. I don't think they're going to want to run outside with Bosa out there. 
Um, so that, that's going to be something to monitor as well. Uh, along the defensive line, this is really the strength of their team. Uh, oh, Chase Chase Young is an animal. You also have Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. That's your starting four, and that's probably the best in the NFL, in my opinion. I really think that this is the strength of this unit, and it's going to be a real test for offensive line for sure. Oh, a huge test. Eh? Right there with you. It has to be the best. And, I mean, Washington defense last season was ranked second in total offense. Only the Rams gave up fewer yards. And this defensive line is really the heart and soul of this unit. The, the secondary is very good in its own right, but they get their heartbeat from this defensive line. And, man, ton of talent, all very, very young. I think the oldest guy has only been in the league for four seasons. Um, it's uh, Jonathan Allen. He's 26 Jonathan Allen years old. At 26. So they're all entering their prime or in their prime. So very, very elite group. But as a competitor, what else do you want? You know, we went out, we got what we thought is a very improved offensive line. So what do you want? Like, I want to test them against the NFL's best. What better test? And we're going to get it week one. It's going to be a crucial matchup for the outcome of this game. And, you know, I can't wait to see it unfold. I think one of the number one things I'm looking forward to is seeing Rashawn, Rashawn Slater versus Chase Young. I think that's the matchup to watch. That? Yeah, that's probably the number one matchup I'm looking at is seeing how is our rookie offensive tackle who hasn't played in over a year yeah. going to match up with and improve Chase Young from what he was two years ago when they played. And see, like you can't be a football fan and not be excited for this matchup. Like Slater's dominance over young in college. Like that was one of the big reasons he was drafted so high. So one of the big reasons, you know, he's such an exciting prospect, but now you get to face him in the NFL. And like you said, young is surrounded by a lot more talent, but so is Rayshon. Both have gotten tremendously better. And to me, I, I think this game will be a really good indicator whether or not, you know, we will see that rookie learning curve from Slater because most young players do deal with some sort of block or like a development in their, you know, their learning. Other players like Justin or Chase Young, they don't have that. So and early on in camp, Slater appears to be handling the NFL game seamlessly. You know, whenever you're training practice reps with Joey Bosa, your career is definitely trending in the right direction. And what we've seen throughout training camp, what we've heard from Bosa, Lindsley, all the coaching staff about this guy, we've only heard amazing things. So it, it seems like he's one of those guys that could skip the learning curve entirely. I think if he shows out in this game, it'll prove it to me. So let's staying on the topic of the defensive line. So Young and Sweat, I think both can put up 15 sacks next season. Uh, Jonathan Allen generates a ton of pressure from the interior. I know he only had two sacks last season. But in his like in his first four years, he has 17 like in total. So, you know, he's still able to generate that pressure. He had the 11th most most pressures last season of any interior defensive lineman. Deron Payne had the 24th most. So that just goes to show like the strength. And oh, yeah, uh, they also have. um, I lost the the player. Oh, my Matt uh, Iadonis who is, you know, a longtime veteran. I think he's in his 30s. So, but that rotation in the interior is going to be key for them as well. 
I, another thing that I'm really looking to see is whether Brian Bulaga actually plays because I don't want to see Storm Norton out there against the best defensive line in the NFL. So that's something else that I think that needs to be monitored. Um, it's it's crazy that the Washington, Washington football team has, you know, really three players that can generate 10 sacks next season, two yeah. on the edge, and then one on the interior. Yeah, And it's one of those things that if they weren't playing with each other, you would say, oh, they're easily getting it. And exactly. there's only one football. So, it, yeah, <laughs> you'd say any other way, they would for sure know 100% they're getting at least 15. A and lot then of talent. And then you also have to monitor whether or not we're, the run game is going to be working against the defensive line as well. We've been talking about pass, 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 but Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, they're going to get carries. And, you know, are, are this, is this offensive line going to be able to open up those rushing lanes? You know, you got Corey Lindsley, Odeo Bushi, and then you also have Matt Feeler, big guys uh, on the uh, at guard. Uh, Corey Lindsley is, you know, above average, but are they going to, how are they going to fare? opening up those rushing lanes. So let's move on to linebackers. Uh, Jamin Davis is going to be a starter. He was probably had one of the biggest rises of any player in the NFL last season uh, in the college ranks, I should say. Uh, he was taken in the first round, kind of toward the end of the first round, super athletic, rangy linebacker. Um, they also have Cole Holcomb, who's in my opinion, I think he has a chance to be one of those breakout players as well. He's a super young guy. Uh, David Mayo and John Bostick are both quality veterans. Uh, they won't really flash flash, but you'd have a hard time exposing them also. Uh, how do you feel about this linebacking room ultimately? Ultimately, I think it's I think it's about average. The only person I'm really focusing on is Jamin Davis. And because, you know, he was a prospect I was really high on coming out of the draft. And I think he is going to have a great career when it's all said and done. But my my kind of thought is this is a league where you have to prove yourself. And if I'm Joe Lombardi, I'm locking in on Davis and I'm testing him early and often and making him prove to me that he can make plays. Because to me, I think the second level of the, the defense is the weakest for Washington. It, it just is. They don't have the superstars that the D-line or the secondary have. And when you have Eckler, who's one of the best receiving backs in the game, matched up against a rookie linebacker who only had 11 career starts in college and only took 26 snaps of man coverage. Why not try to exploit that matchup, right? Strengths on weaknesses. So, you know, I kind of already saw it in my dreams last night. I think Eckler is going to have a huge game. I think he's going to give Jamin Davis a rough awakening to the NFL game. And to me, this is where this defense is at its weakest link, right in the middle. It does help that they have that defensive line in front of them. They're not going to be asked to do a whole lot. They're no. going to be just cleaning up for well, sure. And when you are stacked like those Washington football team is at DB and at D-line, it kind of allows you to not have a premier linebacking core, right? Exactly. And I'm not going to jam in, but because I haven't seen him play an NFL game, right? right I'm not saying that. I want to test them all game. We might make a couple few plays and say, hey, let's go somewhere else. But I'm at least focusing on them before any snaps are taken because, like I said, he needs to prove it to me. I think Austin I give him Eckler, any respect. 
Austin Eckler is a must start in fantasy this week, no matter what. Like he is a must start because he is going to be matched up quite a bit against a rookie. And then Cole Holcomb is a young player as well. I mm-hmm. mean, super, super young player. It's it's a young linebacking group as starters. I, I think John Bostic is a, a quality player, right? But he's not going to be starting. He's He shouldn't be anyways, in my opinion, when you have those athletic linebackers that, that'll fly around and make those tackles for you. Yeah. He, well, and hopefully for the Chargers, hopefully he gets a ton of snaps because I think just athletically wise, like I think our running backs would just run circles around a guy like Boston. Right. In the secondary, uh, we'll start at the corner. Kendall Fuller and William Jackson, I think that they're both above average talents. They're, they're pretty good. I think they're going to be playing a lot of man right there. Um, Jackson graded as the 21st best coverage corner while Fuller was a 46th. And that's not taking anything away from Fuller either because Fuller is still only allowed a reception on 52.7% of his target. So he's not allowing a whole lot of receptions coming his way. Uh, while and that that goes for a ninth best, and then Jackson was seventh best with 52.2. I'm expecting Jack Del Rio to play his corners in tight coverage, knowing that his defensive line is going to be getting home. The ball is going to be coming out quick, so I expect that for sure. I don't know too much about Benjamin St. Juice or Tory McTaylor. Uh, they're kind of lesser known slot defenders. We'll see exactly how they're utilized. I think that there is a matchup there that you can definitely take advantage of. Uh, you, you, you mean the nickelback? Yeah, as the, at the nickelback, yeah. which is where Keenan Allen's going to be playing. Sure. And if if you know that they're going to be bringing pressure with this strong defensive line, yeah. you're going to be getting the ball out quick. I'll get into you know the keys to this game here in a little bit, but I think that's definitely an area that you're going to be able to try and exploit for sure. You you kind of have to stay away from the edges. I I think I'm with you. I think those the outside corners are legit, and I think they definitely benefit from playing with a fantastic defensive line. But this secondary is they're all stars in their own right. There's a reason they only they gave up the fourth least points last year. Like they don't give up a lot of points, and as a whole, this defense has plays with a lot of energy. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat. They also have Landon Collins who. He's, he's a veteran. I mean, he's had over 100 tackles in four of six seasons. He's not as well-known for his coverage skills, but I know in, like, 2016 he had, like, five interceptions. I look at him more as, like, an enforcer since his time mm. going all the way back with the Giants. Uh, he's definitely a hitter. He's a he's definitely a good run defender for sure. Uh, he made an all-pro in 2016. He's got three Pro Bowls to his name. I think he's only like 26 or 27 years old so he's still got a lot of football left in him um he's he's just been a little more quiet since he arrived in washington he hasn't been as great of a player as he was with the giants i i think you haven't you've seen a little bit of the physical play diminish but i think he means a lot to this locker room like he's one of those guys similar to derwin james where people play better when he's on the field right so maybe just not and he's, I, I, I want to say they're returning all three other of their starting DBs, right? Landon Collins is the only other one who didn't start last year because of injury. I, I think just inserting him because of the energy, because of his leadership qualities, it, it's a good player to have back. Right, and, and I think he's going to get lost in the shuffle. you got so many stars on this defense that he yeah. kind of just gets lost in the shuffle, but he's a baller in his own right for sure, without he a is. doubt. He's definitely an asset to this team when he's on the field, and – 
you know, he's healthy right now. He's a young, hungry player. You know, he's only been in the NFL, I want to say, like five years. I think he was drafted in 2016 or 2015. He's definitely an asset to this team, without a doubt. Well, and that's funny that that you said that because I've he's definitely been on my radar for at least that long. So, you know, he came into the league instantly and was, you know, a force. Uh, Cameron Curl was a late round gem for them last season. I know he took three picks away last year and he scored a touchdown on a long, like 76 ESPN highlight. It was a top 10, um, you know, highlight on their, their reel. He's a young quality player with Pro Bowl potential. Uh, real, real late draft pick. I think he was drafted in the sixth round, but he was one of the, you know, one of the better surprises around the NFL for, for rookies in the secondary. He, he had a phenomenal year last year. Uh, two sacks, 88 tackles. I mean, he's he didn't have like a Duran James rookie type season, but it was it, it was underneath that, not too far for sure. So I'm excited, not excited to see how Cameron Curl plays in his second year, but I still think he's a young player that you can pick on, uh, especially when you've got a strong wide receiver room like you do. Well, and, and you have to test somebody, right? And so why? Why test the guys that have the most reps, who have the most experience? You're going to naturally exploit the guys with the least amount of time. It's just natural until they show you you don't have any business going their way. And he's kind of their more of their strong safety where Landon Collins is going to be playing more free. So you're going to match him up with some of our tight ends. Donald Parham, 6'9". I mean, I don't know how you don't test that. And fast, exactly. And then you also have Jared Cook, who's – you know, he's a veteran presence there. I'm also really looking to see what this rotation at tight end looks like for our team. But Cameron Curl is, you know, I'm, I'm picking on the slot and I'm looking, you know, at those vertical routes, the, especially if you do see man coverage. I might pick on Cameron Curl a little bit. I like Where else are yeah. you going to go? That, that's that's my point. You, you got to go somewhere. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is um, the defensive philosophy of Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio is their defensive coordinator. He's a really good defensive coordinator. I want to say in like eight of 13 years, his defenses have ranked uh, in the top six. That's phenomenal production. It's not overly complicated. It's a two gap, four, three defense. Defensive tackles line up directly over the guards. They have a two gap responsibility, A and B gap. Edge rushers are responsible for the B and C gaps, depending on what side is strong, where the tight ends lined up. And then, uh, you know, the the middle linebackers, they just play the ball. And that's that's their defense. That's how they play it. They're going to be playing tight coverage with the corners. You're going to be able to do that because you've got the strong defensive line. You know the ball's coming out quick. So that's something to monitor Jack Del Rio. You know this defense is going to be well coached. They were well coached last year. They're going to be well coached this year. So something to monitor. Let's get into let's get into your guys your keys in your matchups. So offensively, what what is your key? What is your matchup that you're primarily looking to exploit? To, I, I think the first one has to be Eckler on Jamin Davis. That's the first matchup I'm looking at. And it has everything to do because Eckler is really good as a receiving back. And Jamin Davis has not been tested. He's he's okay in coverage, in my opinion, and zone coverage. But I don't think he's had 
he has good instincts, but I, I think he's going to get lost in coverage, especially trying to have to guard for being forced to guard a guy like Eckler. The matchup I talked about a little bit earlier as well, Rayshon Slater versus Chase Young, and really just how this offensive line matches up with the best defensive line in the NFL. I think that's something really to monitor. Um, I think that the offense, I think that they need to focus on tempo and short passing. I, I, I'm not taking too many seven-step seven drops. You know, I'm keeping it three to five. I'm keeping some play action in there. I'm looking at hitting players in the flats. I'm looking at some, you know, crossers, things that you can get the ball out pretty quickly because I think this, you know, you're taking seven stop drops. You're you're really looking at seven-yard sacks, yeah. and that's not where you want to be at against this team. I am excited to see how the tempo of this offense also um, that also plays. That That's interesting you said that because I think the first – Something that was stand up to me about that first preseason game was our offensive tempo. Remember how just automatic we were. We came out with a lot of quick hitting passes. We took that shot deep and should have hit it. Justin Herbert makes that pass, but and that's a, a very similar defense. It, it would be nice to kind of employ that a, a very similar quick hitting passing game to open up those deep shots because yeah, and those in that first preseason game. We were getting out, getting the ball out fast, and like you're saying, we we need to. You hold the ball longer than two seconds against this defense, and you're playing with fire. And I think that because we're going to be playing this high tempo, quick passing, Keenan Allen is going to eat, and he's going to eat a lot. I'm expecting ten catches, you know, hundred yards, right around there. It's not going to be you know long gains for the most part. I'm also looking to see how Josh Palmer plays. Uh, in this first matchup, I think he's going to play probably like 50% of the snaps. Um, I think I'm not looking to even utilize Mike Williams in this game plan this week. It is not a great matchup for Mike Williams. And it, it, not for it really a player isn't. who doesn't get separation, not when you're going to be playing man coverage against them. No, you know? and, and that is a ball hawking secondary. They're not really a group you want to test. They'll with turn the ball blows. over. You'll turn right. the ball over for sure. Right. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I want to take away the deep part of the field. I want to force them to play underneath, um, and I want to bring some pressure. I think especially at, on along the edges, that's where they're probably the weakest at. And, you know, if you if you let Des Fitzpatrick – not Des Fitzpatrick, um, Fitzmagic, if you let Fitzmagic uh, get some confidence early on, he's going to pick you apart. If you can get into his face and you can get some sacks, you're, he's gonna he's gonna force the ball into some situations he probably shouldn't. It's gonna lead to turnovers. So get some pressure in his face and let the defense dictate what he's going to do. I like it. I mean, I, I this is gonna be a defensive dogfight. I think both teams should, on paper, finish as a top five defensive unit. Like they they are both that good. And to me this game is really going to come down to which quarterback is going to make plays for their team during crunch time. So what do you think to the me, score final score of this is going to be? I got the chargers win in 24, 20, 24, 20. I think it's going to be a bigger uh, defensive type of game. I think it's going to be closer to like 10, 17. I think it's going to be close and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, but I think it ultimately is going to come down to a, strong defensive matchup. Um, 
I'm going to say that Justin Herbert has under 250 yards passing and oh, yeah. it's going to be a lot of dinks and dunks and uh, it's it's going to be a defensive game for sure. Might be a, a boring game to watch overall. I, I think for, yeah, just the casual fan, this is, but for casual fan, but for hard nose football fans, this is going to be a game because it, it's going to be a lot of talent at the elite positions all going at it. I can't wait for this football game. I'm going to be, I'm supposed to land about 30 minutes after kickoff, but I am paying for in-flight Wi-Fi because <laughs> I'm not missing the, the start of the season. I'm just I not doing it. I don't blame you. I'm taking, I don't even want to say that. I am not risking it. I will have in-flight internet. It's happening. First time, I, I fall a lot and I refuse to do it because I th- thought it was a little ridiculous, but I am, I'm doing it this time. You at your hotel room right now? Uh, no, this is just my undecorated room. Oh, I thought you were flying out today. So I'm flying out tomorrow. Um, I leave in Oakland Airport at 7 in the morning. Oh, have fun, man. And have fun at this little wedding you're going to. It's going to Montana. Enjoy yourself, man. Have a couple of drinks for me, all right? I'll have a couple of drinks, and it will be all in preparation for this fantastic football game on Sunday. All right, last thing I want to ask, who's going to be the player of the game on the offensive and defensive side of the balls? That one's easy. I've been saying it. Eckler is having a huge game, and he's my MVP. I've seen it in my dreams. He's going to be our offense. I'm thinking 100 yards from him, two scores, one receiving, one rushing. His receiving is going to be a 35, 40-yard screen pass that he takes to the house. That's going to be the first score of the game. And then we're going to sink the game with a rushing touchdown from Eckler. That is my offensive MVP defensively. We're going Derwin James. He's starting this comeback player of the year campaign off hot. He's going to shut down one of the young tight ends in the league in Logan Thomas. And I'm, I'm seeing two sacks an interception and about 10 tackles. For I agree with the Austin Eckler. I think Joey Bosa is going to have a monster game. I'm, I'm giving, fine with that. I'm giving Joey Bosa three sacks. He's going to get it. there a lot, and I think they're going to test Samuel Cosme. Samuel Cosme's never played against a player like this before, and Bosa is healthy. I expect a huge, huge game from Joey Bosa. Three sacks. I'm going to give Austin Eckler 125 yards. Yes. Uh, on I'm, I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him only like 30 yards on the ground. And I think he's going to be a monster in the passing game. He's going to do something special there. I honestly don't see him really getting more than six, seven carries a whole lot of touches, but I don't see us running the ball a whole lot. I wouldn't, that should not be the game plan. We should not be running the ball often against this defensive line at all. Anyways, I know the concept is to see how this offensive line gels, we can figure that out on a different week. Let's not get to a slow start this year. And we need we need to win this game to get some momentum because we have a strong five, six, seven games ahead of us. So we need to start off fast. And what better way than, than ending week one with a W? Well, and like you said, those first couple matchups, really tough. So to get off to a hot start, we're going to need to win a couple of close games. Why not kick it off with a bang? All right, well, let's get into this next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.
the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. When you're craving Church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. 